Tonight I want to start off by, by sharing with you just for a few minutes on the topic called sold out. Sold out. Say with me, sold out. Those who, di who didn't open up your mouth the first time, I'm going to give you a second chance to redeem yourself. Just to say with me, sold out. Sold out. I don't know how many of you, you've got children and uh, when they needed to go back to school quite recently, only got the revelation that they needed stationery just before they needed to go back. And uh, for convenience, we are those people that um, usually we, we try to be prepared. Certain things we were prepared, but one of the things that we, that we were sleeping on was stationery this year. And... Uh, for convenience sake, I like to do online shopping. It's easier if somebody comes and delivers it than I would go into a shop and go one thing by one. I feel like if there's a bundle, just buy it. Sorted, somebody else thought already the things through. But most of the things that we saw were basically sold out. So they had different things. It was close, but it wasn't it. And the reason why I was thinking about that as I started off tonight is because many times we settle for something Christ-like which isn't Christ. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. And many things in our lives we try to, we try to formulate to say, no, no, I think this is the goodness of God, but God has got so, so much better things in store for us if we are willing to trust His voice. You see, the interesting thing about God's voice is that if I would need to ask the question, how many of you really struggle to hear God's voice? I think there would be a huge quantity of people that will actually lift up their hands and say, no, you know what? Honestly, if I need to go and sit, can I really hear His voice? But it's interesting in those, in those stages of hearing His voice, that we can be in such a place that it's easy to hear God's voice in the things that we think He's saying. For, for me, as a, as a pastor for the, for the last few years, one of the most interesting things that I found is that there's people who really struggle to hear His voice until it comes to, say for this example, like a relationship. Then all of a sudden God said, maybe you know people like that, obviously I'm not speaking about you, but they don't know what God said this morning, but they can tell you that this is my future. And sometimes we, we formulate the voice of God to suit us because we feel what is comfortable to us becomes the voice of God. Can I tell you one thing? The more I looked at people who were sold out in Scripture, the more I realized that their lives were very, very uncomfortable. That's why for us as Christians, it's easy to invite people to church and tell them, hey, come to church, your life was going to change. Can I tell you, God will not change your life if you come to Him. He'll give you a new one. <laughs> Don't tell people He's going to change your life because as soon as you come to Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And there's something about Him that He changes not things. He gives you a new life in Himself. And that's where 
where sometimes where we struggle to fall out of the pots because I'm going to show you some things in Scripture where the Scriptures challenges us. People think because you, maybe you're a pastor, um, I don't know, pastor given since you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, it was in a certain way, but as soon as you became a pastor, He gave you a short dial number that you can just come to you and then you can just WhatsApp Jesus and then you can ask Him on people's behalf. Can I tell you, we made things so difficult because we replaced God's voice in our lives with the voice of somebody else who represents God. Can I tell you, there's no formula to that. We are not in the time of Moses, in the time of meeting. Scripture says very clearly in the book of Hebrews, it says, I didn't long to send you judges. I didn't long to send you these prophets. I wanted to speak to you. Can I tell you, that is some of the biggest wrong that we've done to people is just to point them to people. No, God uses people to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, but it does not replace the ministry of Jesus. It is an extension of Him, but it can never replace Him. That's why if I go to advice, say for instance to Pastor Shemai, now I walk into an office and I just ask her, what is God saying the whole time? Can I tell you, I will be living off of her voice and when I get disappointed and things don't work out, I get offended with her. And people turn around and they say, no, the church, God has done. No, have you allowed God to speak to you things that only He can speak? But because we want to quick fix things, we get disappointed. And the biggest thing is we get frustrated. How many of you have been frustrated? Friends, there's nothing as horrible as being in a place of frustration. And you can bind the devil. You can You can jump up and down. You can stand in the mirror and anoint yourself. But in a place of frustration is a place of redirection. Because it shows you what you are doing right now is not working. That's why if I go to Richard and I tell him, listen here, tomorrow morning you need to pray two hours in the Spirit. You're going to read two hours of Bible. He can try and do it maybe for, for a week or so. And then there's going to come a time where he feels burdened. How can you feel burdened by doing the things of God? Why? Because it's not your rhythm. The Scripture says that the apostles needed to set some of them apart to do, to stay in the Word, and some to serve the tables. The problem is we've tried to make everybody the servant or everybody try to stay in the Scriptures for that on behalf, and it's called a lot of frustration inside of people. We need you to do what you need to do. Let me use an example. Jesus comes to the disciples. He tells them, He says, Peter, James, John, uh, and he calls the different disciples and he says, come and follow me. They left their boats to come and follow him. That call is not to the modern Christian to go and leave your job to come and work by the church. Because then we'll have no teachers. We'll have no electricians. Some of you need to let go the dream of becoming a rapper and try to study plumbing or something. Because one day something will die out and somebody's going to sit with a plumbing problem, but you've got a heart full of rappers that just wants to throw lyrics. You need to serve people and you need to lead people into the kingdom by being practical, yet being effective. 
You might have a heart to be the next TikTok influencer or next Instagram, Instagram influencer. That's a great ambition. But when you wake up, I want to say that again. When you wake up, think with God. Because one of the things that we find is that we become so spiritual that we are no good. The worst thing that somebody can say to you, no, God says, and they do nothing. I read in the scripture that faith and action goes together. There's people, we will know people by their faith. We know that faith pleases God, but faith without action is meaningless. And there's people who's just got action because I want to prove that I'm called. No, you don't prove that you're called. Either you are or you're not. That's why some people find it very difficult. To, they, they say, I've got a heart. I want to study theology. Listen here. Study the Word. But if God has not called you into full-time ministry in terms of the fivefold, don't go and study theology. I just want to exhort you. That's why the Scripture says, Ephesians 4, some are pastors, some are teachers, some are evangelists. <laughs> some. They did a study a few years ago. I can't remember. I think it's the, the, the University of Pennsylvania, if I remember correctly. It might be wrong, but I think if I can remember correctly, the study. They, st- they said of all people who go and study uh, theology, it's only 3% who end up in full-time ministry. Of all the people who've got a passion to say, no, I'm going to do that full out for Jesus. Just because you've got a heart for the Word doesn't mean you are called to be a pastor. We need more people in the practical spheres of life to infiltrate and to advance the kingdom of God. And while you are doing that, be practical while you are being spiritual. But the sign of being sold out is not more sitting inside the building. You sitting inside of this building is not a proof of your salvation. Okay, maybe I can try it on this side. I see because it felt like I offended that side. You might be sitting inside church tonight, but it's not a sign of your salvation. It's not a sign. You see, being sold out to God, it's very difficult to measure because being sold out looks very different to every single person. But some of the signs are a heart that is ablaze to God, which is supposed to be for every single one. While we were worshiping, can I just bear my heart for a moment? There were some people, they just sit, they just sat like this and they're like, what is going on here? And while people were worshiping, they were just looking around. Can I say to you, the, the day I approached my wife, and I proposed in marriage. There was a time before we did that, that obviously you were try, trying to put your, your best foot forward, your best foot forward. And um, in everything in that, you're trying to win a heart. Isn't that true? And many times when we forget about the relationship with God is that we're not pursuing His heart. We are flattering Him with just saying, God, you are great. You are, we're saying all the right things, but it feels like our hearts are in total different worlds. That you might be seated in church, 
but your heart is watching the 8 o'clock movie. Your feet are in church, but your heart is with a relationship person that's not in this building right now. It's just there because you feel like, oh, they should have been here. Is my heart, I'm asking myself that question, is my heart centered around the things that is the heartbeat of heaven? Because the sign of being sold out, this is all my introduction, I'm gonna go somewhere right now. All of this points to the condition of my own heart, which is very important to God because I can show Pastor Wade and Jamie a side of me that I want them to see. That they come into church and like, yes, this person is always here. They're very faithful. They, you know what, they, when I speak to them, oh, oh, they can quote the scriptures. No, 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 these people, they're full of the word. But do we know him? Do we really know him? This afternoon as I was just sitting and I was just, I was not even praying, I was just sitting and, and just drinking in, in my heart, saying, Lord, I, I was listening to the song on repeat. I think my wife was so irritated. Oh, she was at the stage. She said to me, she's like, yes, why are you listening to such sad music? So sad. Because obviously, if you, if you know my wife, she's a very joyous person. She, she can connect with the Lord on very upbeat music. And I feel like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just need to focus. And that's her way of connecting. And I can't change that. But my question to us tonight is, are you sold out to Jesus? And you need to answer that own question in your own heart because I want to quickly go somewhere. You can go to Mark 10. Mark chapter 10. You see, for me, there's a difference between being sold out to God or being a sell out to God. Sold out to God is what I bring to Him. A sellout is what, if there's something else that comes on the, on the side, on the road that I'm doing that, I'll exchange Him. See, think about this. I said to Pastor Eric just before we started, I was thinking about, there was a reason why God chose Judas to be in the 12. Can't just be because he's, he knew He's just gonna, he's, he's, he's gonna sell him out. He must have also believed that there was so much more inside of Judas. But when something else came along that his heart turned, that he saw that if I can get 30, 30 silver coins in exchange for Jesus, we think, yes, that's very, how can you do that? But we do that every single day of our lives where we sell out what God has got for us for something else because we think we know better. Let me use this. Let, uh, let us go through that scripture. Verse 17. I think that's where we started. Eh? I just want to make sure. Yes. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. I want you to just to quickly stop there, right there. What is important to take note there is that we know from, from history that men were not allowed to run. And this man running was a sign of huge respect and desperation, that whatever he's gonna say to Jesus right now was very important. I want you to just take note of that. And he said to him, good teacher, he asked, 
what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was asking, Lord, what must I do to one day see heaven? It's a natural question. How many of you would love to go to heaven? Those who didn't answer the question, how many of you would love to go to hell? Okay, wrong question. But listen, go on to verse 18. He says, why do you call me good? I love what Jesus did here. And this, this afternoon, I was struggling to, to find answers to certain things. Can I, can I just submit to you that even though we, we read the Scripture, sometimes we don't understand the heart of God, why He does things. And He does it in a certain way because I felt like, yes, Lord, just answer Him. Just answer the man. To everybody else who asked him, he, he said this following questions. Believe in me. To this person, he says, no one is good except Father God. I'm like, whoa, whoa, why are you offending this man? Just answer him. Now listen to this. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Verse 20. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Can I submit to you, it's important why we should send our children to children's church. But don't think it's going to fix their relationship with God because it needs to start in the house first. Okay. Don't expect to send your children to school to be educated and church to get faith. All of those things start in the house. Okay, verses 21. Jesus looked at him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just listen to this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I want you just to stop right there. Keep the scripture up. Have you ever read it? He was asking a few questions. Jesus stops. He looked at him and he loved him. I don't think you are getting what's busy happening right here. He asks about eternal life. What can I do? Jesus gives him the Old Testament answer. And this guy justifies himself and he says, all of these things I have kept since I was a young boy. And Jesus just turned towards him and he loved him. Can I ask you this question? When last have you looked to Jesus to allow him to just love you? without saying anything, that He just looks at you so that He can love you. Not saying anything, no praying in tongues, not reading the Scripture, just sitting and allowing Him to love you. Can I say to you, some of our biggest obstacles is that we're trying to prove our salvation by what we do. I am saved because I attend church. I am faithful because I'm involved in many areas in this church. But are you being loved by God? Stopping to be loved. Now listen to this. One thing you lack. <laughs> this is a hard scripture. He said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Just keep up that scripture. 
I think this is a challenge because it feels like Jesus is poking on a rich man. He's not. The person asks about eternity. He tries to prove Old Testament that he's kept certain things in order to be in right standing with God. And Jesus says, you've done all of these things, but is your heart with me? Because you came to me asking about salvation, but your heart was still treasured in what you possess. There's no problem with you driving a nice car, living in a nice house, but are those things living in you? It doesn't take away the fact that we can have ambition and dream for bigger things, but have we created spaces for those things to come and live for us? Can I use another, another example? When we just got married for a few years, when we struggled to, to fall pregnant, can I share that? Yes, okay, I've got the microphone, so now I can do that. Thank you, my book. When we struggled to fall pregnant, can I say to you, the object of my faith was linked to just becoming pregnant. And that was the thing that I held the most dear in that stage to say, God, if you do this for me, I'll go full out for you. Can I say to you, in those places where nothing happens, can you stay faithful when there is no reward? That is the heart of God, being sold out that you would stay obedient to the call of God on your life even if there is going to happen nothing, you sow a seed and there's no return. You pour yourself into a relationship and there's nothing in return. Can you remain obedient to say, God, my heart stays with you? You see, being sold out is not linked to what I get. It's the place where my heart is just bare before the Lord and say, Lord, whatever you want from me, and I think that's our, our greatest challenge, and I include myself. Sometimes it's that, that what we can give to God, it's that those things that we don't want God to take and use it. It's one thing if God asks you, so 500 rand. But it's one thing if God asks you, Richard, I want you to take the whole day tomorrow and just sit in silence with me. Because the one I can feel, I can pay and I can get God off my back for obedience the other one is going to take time. And it's, I realized this one thing. It's in the waiting that everything gets tested. Unfortunately, we have taught so much that by just by rubber cover, everything changes. Can I say to you, there's certain things that that is not going to fix where God leads you into patient endurance. Why? Because through his patience, he's busy developing our character. Why is he developing our character? To look more like Jesus. Because we've taught so much about the instant Christianity that everything I can just name and claim and everything happens. Can I tell you there's certain things that you can speak life, you can dance, you can do cartwheels. It will not change unless the Lord builds in you what He wants to do through you. Patient endurance. Listen to this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. There's one thing you lacked. You will have treasure in heaven. Then and come and follow me. 
please take note, Jesus is not saying to him, if you've sold everything, then you'll make heaven. He says, no, no, no. What you are banking on right now will not be in heaven. Because your heart is where you are currently banking in. Please hear me tonight. I'm not even speaking about money. I'm speaking about being sold out. I want you to quickly listen to this. Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Say with me, great wealth. Wouldn't it be amazing if God tonight deposits great wealth into your bank account? About a week, week and a half ago, I read this article about somebody who got paid by mistake 17 million rand. Pastor Given. <laughs> Where are our bank accounts with things that happens like this? By mistake, somebody pays you 17. My bookie wants travel more. I'm telling you, by mistake, somebody pays you money. And that person went on a shopping spree because they felt like, Jesus, you are wonderful. <laughs> and then they got arrested because they spent somebody else's money. I feel like, that's not fair. Come if God sends clouds, He's going to make it rain. And He really made it rain. <laughs> it was raining buffaloes and the leopard. Yes, it, just everywhere. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Because great wealth is not really the wealth as we just think in monetary value. Our hearts, let me use an example. JP, same for instance, somebody comes, God forbid, and they kidnap Nadinai. Okay, I said God forbid. Have you got, let's say, for instance, two million rand in your bank account? Okay. Maybe we don't know. Okay, I'm not going to expose you. But say, for instance, they say they want ransom for two million rand. You will make a plan. Isn't it true? Even if you need to go to Wonder Park and rob some old ladies' handbags, please don't go and do that. I'm just joking. Please don't do that. You'll make a plan to get the money, to get something that's very, very dear to you in exchange for that back. Sometimes we think so much about the money that people sit with so much more value because you have just put a value to her. She is worth more than two million rand. Sometimes we cry out for money but because we see something as priceless, we can easily mistake it for something worthless. Because our hearts are in the wrong place. And there's some people that lives in our houses that money can't buy, but we cry out for money. But the real treasure is in people that's in our houses. We are multimillionaires. Because those assets, if I may, are living with you. So why on dear earth are our hearts crying out for things that has got no value? 
The thing about money is money just brings comfort quickly. I love my wife. She, 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 she loves to use this example. She says, the thing about us and very wealthy people, it's not the money factor. Yes, it is the money factor, but money buys time. I want to build something on my yard. I want to fit the swimming pool. It would take us a time to save up in order to do things in phases. We don't have the money right now, but we've got it in time. But a very wealthy person can just, okay, let's just put 120,000, let's do it right now. So money buys time, but it can't buy eternity. Because we mistake these things, we can easily find our place in losing a place of being sold out to being a sell out. Because whatever I can gain from using the name of Jesus, can I be honest? That's why some people don't trust Christian businesses. <laughs> because you think putting a Bible under your arm, preaching good news, and then lying to the people. Don't do that. Christians are supposed to be the people of integrity. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. If you can't deliver a job, then tell a person up front, you know, honestly, I would love to do the job, but I can't do it right now. I'm not going to take your money, but until I'm ready, or I'm going to help you find a person that's going to do that. Because one thing that you can't buy is a testimony. <laughs> you buy yourself a bad reputation. Can I be honest? That's so wonderful, just finding and bumping into certain people around it, okay? Let me just use a good example. You can like it or you can't like it, but there's certain people just in business. If you do business with them, they use their business to advance the kingdom. Okay, just like five I meant. When I was in Cape Town, I, I sat with a person. This person that we spoke about this person just mentioned somebody that's in this church that's seated here tonight that did a business deal for them. But because it wasn't just business as usual, they allowed the Lord to get involved in the business. Allowing the Lord in just, it's not just selling a property. This was the context. It was allowing that person who had hurt, who had distrust to come to the house of the Lord to find restoration and in that process of restoration, trusting the Lord that the Lord will be faithful to His Word to sell those people's properties. In reverse, it wasn't just selling a house. It was leading somebody into a purpose to find a place to serve in the house of God. Not just to become a servant in the house of God, but to find an identity to say, God, I was lost, but I feel that I'm found. And sometimes we mistake this. Can I, can I use an example? We mistake grace and mercy. We don't know what's the difference. Grace is where the father allowed the prodigal son to come back home. That's grace. Grace allows the son to come back in home. Mercy is to kill the fattened calf. To prepare a feast. I've shown you mercy. And one of the things that I found that even myself that I get challenged so much in is that am I a person who extends mercy because if my heart is on Jesus, I need to be like the master. 
continuously. Can I just be honest? So many times I even failed at that same place. But that's why I'm involved in the body of Christ to say, hey, no, you don't look like Jesus. Be transformed into the image of Jesus. When I lose my temper, somebody can come and say, hey, check your attitude. Friends, it's not gonna happen just in a context where it's just me on an island, me and my Bible. It comes in a place where accountability comes into place in the household of God. That I can look to somebody's life and say, listen here, when I see certain things, and if you see certain things, come and chat to, to one another because there's certain things that loses out the beauty of what Jesus is busy doing in our lives. And this is what the scripture is saying right now. Won't you go there to verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Verse 24. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Can I say to you, that's in context of the person he was speaking about. If you've got great wealth, God is not opposing to that. But it's what you think you own that actually owns you that becomes a huge obstacle. Sometimes I can be in a relationship and that relationship becomes my idol. These people, they were flat out for God until they came into a relationship and they changed. It's true. It's not that they don't love God anymore, but you changed. You lost that essence of where my heart is tender before the Lord because my heart now becomes divided. That's why Paul writes, he said in certain contexts, it's not better to get married because you'll have the affairs of your, of your spouse on your own heart. You, that becomes also a burden. You need to take care of two things, your own heart and then somebody else's but it becomes divided. People come to the household of God, they were in desperate need. God, I need a breakthrough. God brings you the breakthrough and the household of God doesn't see you anymore. God, I'm crying out for a financial breakthrough in my life in the name of Jesus. And it takes a while and God brings about a miracle. Until you do that, then you become busy. You find people who say that they're always too busy. Your own time becomes your own idol. Can I say to you, being sold out means, as if you haven't listened, go and listen to this morning as what, as what Pastor Eric preached about God first. God wants to be first in every area of your life. It is in your time. It is in your relationships. It is in the spaces of everyday life. It is in your finances. It is in every area that He wants to be a part of that, but He wants to be first. And if He's not first, then He's not the focus. Have you ever chatted to somebody and while you talk to them, they're on their phone? Do you feel important? They did a study. I, I watched a TED Talk, which was quite interesting. Nothing against TED Talks. Please just don't go and listen and replace your Bible with them. But they did a study a, a while ago, and they, they, they looked. They did a social, uh, a social experiment where they said, if you talk to somebody 
and you've got a phone in your hand, that person feels unheard, okay? They did that same study. You're not, you're talking to somebody, but the phone is just in their hands. They're not typing. They're just holding a phone. They kept on doing the study by sitting in a meeting table and every person at the meeting table had their phone on the table. Open. Do you feel that you are being heard when there's another voice that's present? Can I say to you, that was one of the greatest mistakes that happened in the garden. There was another voice that took priority that made Adam a guy who walked with God for one moment turn his affection to another voice. That's the place where our hearts become divided, not in the love of God, but to the attention of God. First, you started off greatly loving God in the midst of a home group, in a, in a life group, in a cell group family. And then you became busy or your heart became hurt and you drifted away from that because you don't want it to be in that season anymore. Can I just say that? Let's stop saying, no, this season of my life has ended and just deal with our hurts in our own hearts. God is inviting us to become sold out for Him. You know why? Because we can pray that everything is gonna come better, but the Bible says that everything is gonna go from worst to worst, that even the, the elect might be deceived. There will be a time where people are jumping up and down next to you, and the next moment, they can deny Christ. That's why we need to keep our own hearts bare before the Lord. It grows colder and colder and colder, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, in the last days, the love of God will draw, will draw cold. He says that some will depart from the faith and he says that the love of money will capture people's heart. Can I be, just dissect that for you in one second. Paul is not writing to the world because we're always writing and saying, no, no, you see what's happening in the world. Paul is writing to a church that the love of God will grow colder. My question is, how ablaze are our hearts for Jesus? Or are we just tolerating worship songs and are we just here because somebody said you must come to church? Are our hearts posture to say, God, may my heart burn for you. Lord, I wanna be everywhere where you wanna be. Or have I drawn, grown cold in my responsibility? These people that, that at a stage, they were everywhere. They just wanted to be involved. Now they're avoiding everything to be involved. Hearts growing colder and colder. You know, there's certain Christians that we start to avoid. Isn't it true? There's certain Christians, you know, when somebody's really on fire for God, you avoid them. Isn't it true? Because we think they're weird. There was a time where you were also very hot for God and you were also very weird. That's why David wrote and he says, Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation. And I was challenged the other night, I was speaking to Pastor Eric. And last year, I was challenged in my own heart that there were certain areas that I even backtracked to lose that one essence. And I was so confronted with that 
to say, God, I don't want to be that person that just tolerates certain things. Set me ablaze. I want to be a person that's alive to your presence. I want to be a person, Lord, that is just radical for you, ready to do whatever you want me to do. It's just not what I have, but what I have, is it available for God to use? That is the heart of being sold out for Jesus. Can we go to that scripture? Verse 26. Listen to this. Can you go on to verse 26? Everybody inside the church, can you pray with me? <laughs> no, just joking. We appreciate the... Yes, there it is. It wasn't showing there. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They said, because it felt like the bar was raised so high. Verse 27. Jesus looked at them intently. Remember, firstly, he said he looked at the person and he loved them. These people who walked with Jesus knew that he loved them. So now he can actually be honest with them. He looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Can I submit to you, there's times that you can be in a service and you can just feel like somebody just come lay a hand on me and I'm going to be ablaze. Can I submit to you? It's not going to build a relationship. There comes a time where I need to humble myself to the Lord. And I say, God, please come and baptize me with your fire. Lord, I need something. As in the book of Revelations, when I look to his eyes who were ablaze, God, set that fire in my own heart that me as a Christian, I want to be ablaze for you, God. Let everything, my voice might be squeaky as I sing. My hands might look crooked. My armpits might be sweaty as I lift up my hands, but it's not about people. It's my heart being postured to God to say, Lord, I'm here to do whatever you want me to do. Because the sign of Christianity is not how loud we can be, but by our obedience. Does God have our obedience? I realized this one thing in the last while. Somebody said it many years ago that the love language of God is obedience. Can I ask the worship team to go back? Thanks so much. It's not going to happen just through a prayer that somebody comes and they lay a hand upon me and things in my life will change. Yes, God uses people, but people don't replace the relationship of God because being sold out to God means it is Him first. It is not what I can get from God because there's many things on your wish list and your prayer list that is most probably not being answered. But do you still pursue Him in the midst? Can you still serve God if He says to you, no? Whether you'll be one day famous or not, whether one day you'll be extremely wealthy or not. Can you serve the Lord your God and let your heart become soft towards Him again? Because the one thing I realized, if a place is sold out, say for instance you want to go to a concert, 
or a sports event and all the tickets are sold out, it doesn't matter who you are, your status does not buy you a seat because there's no space. It doesn't matter what comes into your life after you are sold out to God. The importance of where it might be because my heart is already sold out to God and there's no space for anything else. The reason why we can drift so much in our walk with the Lord is because we've been eating from the, the table of the world. And we say, Lord, why are we not hungry for you? Because we've been eating everywhere except at the Lord's table. Can I come and sit and let His Word be like the manna every single day? God, give me your Word. Lord, your Word is the bread of life. You see, the beautiful thing about our modern day time is, is that we teach people, don't eat bread, it's bad for you. There's one bread you need to have, and that's the bread of life. You can't be on fasting and fast the Word of God. You need to feast on that day in, day out, until you get a boop ends like this. Because not that you just grow up. Because when you grow up, it gives you energy to do. And when the enemy comes, as he will, can we go there? Yes, thank you, Lord. Verse 28. Then Peter began to speak. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Verse 29. Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for the sake and for the good news, verse 30, will receive now in return a hundred times many houses. Whoa, 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 whoa. God is saying, if you give me everything, I'll open up anything. And listen to this. As many times, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Some, some of you lost family because you came to the faith in Jesus. But when you came to the faith, faith He gave you a new household of faith. New mothers and fathers, people who are elderly, new fathers in the faith, new brothers and sisters. Listen to this. Many mothers, children, and property, along with persecutions. <laughs> Can we just scratch that out of the Bible? God says, I'll bless you, but while I do that, expect hardship. That is the exchange. Why? Because if things are not being challenged in your heart, the things that God gives you becomes the idol. People will serve God for what they can get from God. God, if you just bless me, God, if you just heal me, I'll do this for you. And God says, I'll give you everything, but expect hardship. Listen to this. And in the world to come, that persons will have eternal life. Why? Because if my heart is fixed on eternity, it settles what is important and what is urgent. What am I spending my time on that is so important, but is actually causing my heart to drift away from the Lord? 
And as I sense, as I just sat with the Lord this afternoon, I had this picture in my mind, a total surrender to God. It's not where we just do something that, that's gonna look good, but it's a response to Jesus and saying, Lord, as we started off this evening, there was a time where we just started singing in the Spirit and it was very awkward because if you're not in that space, things like that becomes difficult. But I saw this picture in my mind that we as a church family come and we kneel before the Lord like the rich man who started, can you go to verse 17 again? Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem and a man came running up to him, knelt down. That's the image that I had in my mind is a place of surrender that we can run to God and we kneel down before him and say, Lord, you can have it all. And if that's you in this night, I wanna give this invitation with your belongings tonight, if you say, God, I want you to do something in my heart tonight, it doesn't matter what your status is, it doesn't matter if you've got a bad knee or a bad back, you run to God tonight and you fall on your knees and say, Lord, help me. The image that I saw in my mind as that we do this as a sign, as a prayer tonight, that nobody lays a hand upon you you make your own commitment to God. And if you're ready to do that, I want you to come and I want us to kneel here before the Lord. Something that is separate, something that is holy unto the Lord. Every single person separate ourselves to the Lord. If you're watching us online, just kneel where you are. If you feel like I'm embarrassed, I don't want people to see me kneel. They kneel in your chair, but I want us to, to run like the rich young man and kneel before Jesus. If you're ready to do that, you surrender what we wanna do. I want us to do that all together as a church family. Oh God, we give you everything. You can have it all, God. You can have it all.